to the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 8. We're still in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And uh, I want to look at verse 33. Um, One second. Romans chapter 8 and verse 33. We're just going to deal with one verse today. We've been walking through from verse, uh, verse 30. I think we started in verse, we started at verse 31 actually, but we're in 33 now. Amen. So let's look at it together. It says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Amen. I want to talk about today, and we're in this series, tell your neighbor the struggle is over. Amen. Tell your neighbor you are a winner. All right. You got to say it like you mean it now. You are a winner. That's what I want to talk about. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. You are. Come on, y'all. Man, you got to believe it. You are a what? A winner. Amen. Amen. And uh, one of the things I want to share with you, uh, we started this series uh, on Resurrection Sunday for the non-churchgoers. That's Easter Sunday. Um, And when we started this series, we started this series talking about that when you give your life to Christ, in essence, the struggle is over. Uh, the moment you're born, your struggle and our struggle is with the flesh. Our struggle is the fact that we are now living, amen, in opposition to God. As an unbeliever, you and I were opposing God, uh, not really uh, for God. And I told you why. Uh, we are born in sin, we're shaped in iniquity. Uh, matter of fact, Satan has blinded our minds. You know, he has not only blinded us, but he hinders us. You ever notice that you won't have a struggle to go nowhere else? But when they come down to church, come on, help me somebody. It just seems like everything that could happen does happen. Are you with me? You see, it's good to know, though, that Before the foundation of the world, God had an eternal plan for our lives. Uh, He predetermined uh, our adoption, our salvation, and our eternal life. Don't just live for earth, y'all. Live knowing that you have ultimately a destination that you will eventually end up at. 
death for the believer is just a pathway to the Lord. Are you with me? Now, while positionally we are right with God, positionally, it is our practice of living for him that is still our responsibility. So, you know, you've heard it said, one saved, always saved. And I believe that. I don't believe that if you have a baby, you can't send it back. If you're born again, amen, you are born again. Now, you may struggle with some things while living in this Christian life, but guess what? No one can't put a tag on you talking about you ain't saved because they're not the ones justifying you. Only God can judge you in the end. Are you following me? But you have. A responsibility as a believer. You say, what's that responsibility? Lest I lose you today. You have a responsibility to live for God. Sometimes we struggle. Here's the thing. You just can't be a Christian by name only. Come on, somebody. You, you have to be a Christian by practice or by practicing your faith. The Bible says, show me your fruit, and I'll tell you who you are. All right? For a tree is known by its what? Fruit. So what we have today is we have a lot of people that are saying they're Christians, but their practice, their life is not looking like that. Are you following me? Now, 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 here's the thing. Uh, you got to remember, though, if you are a believer today, you are, watch this, positionally powerful. Listen to what I'm saying. You and I have what we need to live a spirit-filled life. To live above Come on, somebody. Uh, where we used to be, we have the power. It's in us. All right? But, but you got to remember something, that the enemy will always present struggles. Why does he present struggles? Because he wants to hinder the process of your development. In other words, Satan wants you and I to remain Right where we were when we first got saved. Amen. He doesn't want you to grow. He doesn't want you to develop. He does not want you to become everything that God had in mind when he saved you. Imagine this. Paul on his way to Damascus. He's on his way to persecute Christians. And on his way there, he gets knocked off his horse. And guess what? He is now taken saved and transformed and watch this and now he's being used by God can you imagine what Satan did to hinder his life up to that point and then Paul writes this in the book of first Corinthians he says he says I've been beaten shipwrecked talked about lied on 
Come on, somebody. Sleepless nights. Come on, somebody. Watch this. See, what we, the ideas that we have about being a Christian sometimes is not what the Bible says. Suffering is part of it. See, a lot of times we paint this picture from the pulpit that it's going to be all right. But here's the thing. It is going to be all right, but you got to go through some stuff. Anybody going through some stuff? Anybody dealing with some stuff right now? Come on, somebody. Can I help you with something? It's part of the process. It's part of your change. It's part of what God, watch this, wants to do in your life. Come on. Come on, help me, somebody. But you know what you have? What we have? We have a choice. Here's the choice we have. We have a choice whether we will survive and live for God or survive. And live defeated. Do you know how many defeated Christians I deal with every day? I'm talking about defeated. You have the power to live. But we're still living defeated. Tell your neighbor, I'm a winner. Come on. You've got to start saying that to yourself. And the reason I'm saying that, because when you look at Paul, Paul encourages us. We just read it now in our, in our responsive reading. Look, look, look at verse 28. Hey, here, look at verse 28. He says what? And we know that God synergism. He causes all things. So this is why I'm saying you're a winner. Because if God causes all things to work to agree, to mix, and then come out looking like a beautiful cake. Come on. If, if he takes everything in your life that's good, bad, ugly, and in between, and he causes them to work together for your good, tell your neighbor, I'm a winner. If you're not convinced, y'all don't sound convinced. I, I, I promise you, y'all don't sound. Y'all should see what I see from up here right now. And this is practical. I ain't even getting deep here. This is a practical message. Watch this. Watch this now. If he causes it all work together, then why are you worried? Why are you so troubled? If he causes it to work together for the good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So the reason why things will work out for you and I and we will win, it's not because of your purpose, hey, but it's because of his purpose. Can I ask you a question? Do you really know your purpose? Because when you discover your purpose, you'll discover that it's not your purpose. It's God's purpose for your life. If you go to verse 31. <laughs> Tell your neighbor I'm a winner. God causes all things to work together for the good. Look at verse 31. What then shall we say to what? What things? 
that God causes all things to work together for the good. Watch this. If God be for us. You know what's beautiful about this passage? When you know God is on your side, there's nothing you cannot accomplish. Some of us are trying and do, to do certain things with our lives and it's so hard. It's so difficult. It ain't really that hard. If you put God's purpose into your life, you and I will end up right where we're supposed to be. Because if God be for you, listen, they can say you need a degree. They're going to say you need this amount of money. They're going to say you need to be this. You need to have that. You need to have that. But when God is for you. Oh, man, I thank God. That whatever the devil start, whenever the devil starts telling me or suggesting to me that no, nah, this is too hard, no, nah, I'm saying on word, it's too difficult, it's too this, I start saying no, nah, uh-uh, because if God be for me, see what we have to do, saints. We, the the question is, have you fallen for the trap or the trick of the enemy? Watch this. Watch this. Can I tell you this? A lot of people, a lot of believers operate on this. Feelings. Have you fallen for the trap of of feeling bad? Or have you fallen to the trap of your feelings? Feelings won't help you. Facts is what you need. And when you focus on the facts that I am a child of God. That greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. Let me, let me help you with something. You can either live your life, watch this, believing the lies of the enemy. Or you will start believing the word of God. And I know something about the word because the word is powerful enough not just to help me but to change me. The word is how you change. Listen, you can go on feelings all you want. Feelings will leave. But God's word will stand forever. And so, and so, and so, Paul moves in this passage. Now, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about this mysterious who. I don't know who this person is. But you may know him. So look what he says in verse 33. And I'm going to sit down. I'm done. He says in verse 33. Look what he says. Who? We'll stop right there. We ain't going no further than that. The who in the passage is a subjective pronoun. In other words, it's the doer of the action. (laughs) In the Greek, it's the accusative case. So in other words, it's like you got to ask yourself a question. And I want to, and this is the reason why I'm saying to you, and you have to start saying it every day to yourself, I am a winner. Let me ask you a question. Who's troubling you right now? Who's standing in your way right now? Who is it? 
Because if you can't identify the who, you'll never be able to handle or deal with what you're going through. Paul uses an emphatic here. He says, who? And so the first thing I want to say to you is this. You got to remember who is really for you. Come on, help me somebody. Listen, listen, this is, these questions that Paul have, it's a rhetorical question equivalent to an emphatic denial. Paul says, when you live for God, you will live with a sense of security. See, you, you, some people can't answer the who question because they ain't really living for God. But when you're truly living for God, you can actually say and believe in your heart that nothing will stand against me. How many believe that today? Who? That's the question. And sometimes that who is in the mirror. <laughs> it ain't the devil. It ain't your husband. It ain't your wife. It ain't your baby kids. It ain't none of that. Come on, somebody. The who is you looking at them. I wish I had somebody. But if you remember who is really for you, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The who gives you an assurance. It gives you humility. It gives you gratitude. Watch this. That the who in your life will never be able to deter you from what God has for you. Now, if you can identify the thing or the person that's holding you back. Oh, well, you got a problem. Because that's not what the text says. And what I'm trying to say to you today is, when you remember who is really for you, it doesn't matter what they say about you. It doesn't matter if they lie on you. It doesn't matter if they mistreat you. It doesn't matter if they abuse you or whatever they're doing to you, whoever the who is. Watch this. You know that you have someone who will always be there and that someone is God. Watch this. You know, we... we let me see. I got, okay, I got a few minutes. We treat God as he's a, he's just a, someone we go to for stuff. That's the only way we can try him. But what I'm saying is, when you know who's for you, you're not just going to approach him for stuff. You'll approach him for a relationship. Can I ask you a question? How's your relationship with him? And that's an important piece to you having the assurance here. This is an assurance passage. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the who, Okay. But watch what he says. Why, let, me, let me go. I'm, I don't want to get too carried away. Look what he says. Look what he says. He says, he says, he says, he says right here. He says, 
he says right here, what then shall we say to what? Verse 31, right? Where are we at? Verse 33, right? Verse 33, he says, he said, but verse 30, verse, verse 31, he says that, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who's against us? And then if you flip on to 33, then he says, who? You see it? You see when you connect them together, how it works out? So if you know who's really, if you know who's really for you, like what you're dealing with right now, you ain't got to trip. You ain't got to fall apart because you know who is really for you. And listen, friends will leave you. Family will leave you. But when you know who's for you, that God is the one who's really for you, then guess what? You ain't got nothing to worry about. But how do you develop that kind of assurance? Let's look on. He says, who will bring a charge against? I ain't going there yet. What is this? What, 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 what is this? You know why some of us struggle? Because when Satan goes before God and accuses, accuses you, he's right. But God's grace covers your wrong. Lord have mercy. So even though Satan is right about you, <laughs> because the only thing that Satan can really point out about you is your wrong. Watch this. God says, yeah, I know that, but my son, he died for you. And guess what? He covers you. And that's what you call Grace. So the second thing you got to do is not just remember who is really for you, but the second thing you have to do is recognize your real enemy. Your real enemy is not sitting next to you. <laughs> Husband or wife. Your real enemy is not your boss. Ephesians chapter 6 says we wrestle not against. Boy, you're quiet. But against powers and principalities in high places. So in other words, you don't have a flesh fight. You have a spiritual fight. But can I tell you something? Revelation says, Revelation 12, 10 says that the accuser of the brethren, which is Satan, he goes before God. Watch this now. Satan is relentless, y'all. He goes before God day and night, accusing you. Sometimes when things get bad in our lives, we blame God. God says, I'm not your enemy. I'm for you. And here's your question. Well, why did you do that? He said, I didn't do that. James chapter 1 says, God does not cause evil. But God could have stopped it. If God stopped it, you would not have developed. If God would have rescued you, you wouldn't be sitting here today. Because sometimes we got to hit rock bottom before we can appreciate what God is really doing in our lives. I thank God for every hardship I've had. For every trial I've went through. Why? Because it's made me the man that I am today. But I recognize that my real enemy is not God. 
My real enemy. Come on, somebody. It's not me. Come on, somebody. My real enemy is the accuser. And then you say, well, how do you deal with him? You have to resist him. Firm in your faith. What does that mean, pastor? It means hold your position. Refuse to be moved. Don't change your standard just because someone's trying to manipulate you into believing something other than the word of God. Don't be loyal and be Loyal to a fault, Baba say. Don't be loyal to fault. Where you know this person is telling you wrong, but because you love them, you trying to get along with them. Stand on God's word and watch what happens to you. Because I already told you, if God be for you, Amen. Who can be against you? But then the question is, who will bring an accusation against you? You know what? When you give your life to Christ, you better watch out. Tell me you know what I'm talking about. The devil is always trying to find something on you. And, and, and look, the job gets difficult. The marriage gets difficult. Ring children gets difficult. All these things become difficult. Why? Because the enemy wants to lay a charge against you. But you got to remind yourself, I'm a winner. I will survive this. Look, look, look at the rest of the text. The text says, uh, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Now the word elect there means you're chosen. Who will bring a charge against God's chosen? You see why I say you're a winner? But here's the thing. If you don't feel chosen, if you feel like trash all the time, come on somebody, you don't know your identity in Christ. You don't believe that you're more than a conqueror. You don't believe that you're special, that you're blessed. Come on somebody. If you keep thinking lower than what you are, you're going to live like that. But here's the next thing you got to do. Not just recognize your real enemy, but you got to remember who you are. Can I help you with something? Don't lose yourself trying to save somebody else. You hear what I said? Don't lose your life while you're trying to make somebody believe what you believe. Oh, I'm talking to somebody now. Watch this. If they don't believe, they're never going to believe. But here's the thing. But if you keep living, you are chosen of God. You have a special assignment from God. You have a place in the kingdom. You are God's chosen vessel. Created in Christ Jesus. To do something for his glory. Do I have a witness? And I want to say to somebody here today. You got to keep reminding yourself. That I'm chosen by God. That I'm special. Amen. That God loves you so much. That he sent his only son. To die for you and I. So that we. Would have access. 
to the throne room of heaven. I thank God today that no matter what the devil may try to do to accuse me, talk about me, lie on me, it will not stick. Because I always remind myself, Lord, I am chosen of you. I am your child. And I'm going to keep living for you. Here's the thing, it's a choice. Look at the rest of the verse. He says, not only who will bring a charge against God's elect. He says, God is the one who justifies. And let me tell you what that word justification, you know, there's, there's one word for justification. That, that's at salvation. But then there's another justification here. And that word just simply means to acquit. It's called an acquittal. It's called justice. So saints, can I help you with something today? If if you're being treated unjustly today. At a job or in a relationship or whatever you're dealing with. Can I help you with something? God is the only one. Who can justify you. You don't have to prove a point to anybody. You don't have to try to prove that you're right. If you're suffering for righteousness sake, suffer long. Suffer patiently. And God in due season will acquit you. God, no matter what the trumped up charges that Satan may try to bring up on you. He will justify you. He will bring you through. Do I have a witness today? And so the last thing I want to tell you is that you got to realize that God is always on your side. Who can bring a charge against God's chosen people. God is the only one who justifies. Can I help somebody with something? Stop explaining yourself. Stand still and watch him work it out for you. I believe that's what happens to all of us. That when we get accused of stuff, we take it personal. But as a believer, you can't take it personal because the fight is not with you. The fight is with Jesus. And what Satan knows is if I can destroy a Christian, I'm really getting at Jesus. And so what you and I got to remember is that God is always on our side. Our justification resides in the person of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something? God is not unfair. Where he's just going to let you keep being mistreated. Talked about. Lied on. Cheated on. All whatever is on. But guess what? He will vindicate you. Whatever you went through. It was what you were supposed to go through. But I thank God.
that I don't look like what I've been through. Do I have anybody here today? You see, a drunk driver is told not to drive if he or she drinks. They're not to drive because they could hurt themselves or somebody else. People who have had a drink should hand over the keys to someone who's sober and let the other person take control of the steering wheel so that that each passenger in the car can get from where they are to where they're supposed to be. Many of us are driving the steering wheel of our own life, and we shouldn't be. We are crossing over in other lanes. We're swerving. We're going into the ditch. Look at your life. Because we're out of control. God stands available to take the keys of our life to drive us home. He can take it from us and he will take us from here to eternity safely on his time. He's got to have the wheel in order to control your life. And here's the thing. If you don't let him drive, he ain't going to ride. Give God a hand clap of praise, y'all.